you're listening to a message from Lifeway Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, please visit www.lifeway.church. Now, please enjoy this message from our pastor, Bruce Rhodes. And so today is Overcoming Failure. It's the third part of this three-part series on overcoming. God has created us as overcomers. In 1 John chapter 5, and verses 4 and 5, it says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And that includes us because we're born of God. God designed us to overcome. He designed us to win. That's why we like to win. And that's why we hate to lose. And God has given us the victory, it says, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. God gave us faith, and that faith is the victory that overcomes the world. He didn't withhold it from you. He gave it to you. He gave to every person the measure of faith. So we have faith. It does no good to ask God for faith because he gave you faith. You can't ask him for something that he already gave you, right? You just have to receive it and believe that he has already given it to you. The, the word declares that God has given you the measure of faith. Everybody say, I have the measure of faith. And that measure of faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Now, we have to learn how to use that faith. It's like muscles in a baby's body. They may be small, but they have muscles. And as they use them, they use those muscles, they begin to grow. God gives us that faith. It, it, it helps us to overcome challenges. All of us face challenges every day. That's a true statement. All of us face challenges every day. We live in an imperfect world. This is not paradise. Contrary to what some people think and want you to believe, that this is not paradise. We're not setting up camp here on this earth the way that it is, right? We have challenges and we use our faith to overcome. And it is the victory that helps us to overcome the world, right? And then it says, who is he that overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. How many of you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Because we're believers and because God has created us and we're born of God, he's given us faith to overcome the world. Everybody say, I'm an overcomer. Amen. So, let me take you back to 1985. I started out uh, in Marietta in 1985. I was going to Bible school. I had no idea what I was getting into. Going to Bible school in Oklahoma. My visions of Oklahoma were tumbleweeds, Indians, and cowboys. <laughs> and six shooters. I'd never been to Oklahoma. But I loaded up a Jartran rental van because I couldn't afford a Hertz or a U-Haul. Jartran was one of those off-brands that were halfway broken down when you rented them. And so I loaded up a, tra uh, a, a truck full of uh, old furniture because people felt sorry for me in my church. I went to a church in Marietta and people learned that I was going to go to Bible school. They gave me all their hand-me-downs and throwaways. And I had, a, I had a couch that nobody wanted that you had to put a, a cover over it just so you wouldn't smell it, you know. Anybody ever had one of those couches? I've been there before. Listen, I cooked uh, food off of a Teflon frying pan that 
didn't have half the Teflon on it, right? Have you cooked out of one of those dishes? And I was thankful to God that I had something. And I'm driving down the road behind it in 1985. I was, let's see, 22 years old. I was pulling a Honda Accord that was broke down. I mean, it, was, it, it ran, but it was of like a fog machine. It threw smoke out the back. And the front grill was off of it, and I had a, a bailing wire or um, a coat hanger holding the, the headlight in. And I ha- had to adjust it every now and then, or it would point over that way and hit the uh, oncoming traffic. I'm, t- I'm painting this picture, but listen, God is my witness. It's every bit true. And I'm headed to Bible school, not knowing what I'm doing, just like Abraham, not knowing where I'm going. And it was, it, it was an adventure. It was an, a faith adventure. I'm heading up I-75 going into Tennessee. And before I could get into Tennessee out of Georgia, the tailpipe fell off of the Jartran rental truck. And I'm looking in the rearview mirror and I see the tailpipe flipping <laughs> back behind the truck. And it missed my car by about that much. The tailpipe. And I'm seeing this in the rearview mirror. Did I stop? No. I did not stop. I left the tailpipe out of that truck way back in Georgia and kept on moving. It sounded like an airplane after that. All the way. I got to North Lillian. Are you, are you guys tracking with me? This is a funny story, but I'm telling you, challenge after challenge after challenge. So I'm thinking the whole time, am I doing the right thing, right? So I get to North Little Rock to bed down for the night, and it's like 12.30 at night because I had to go kind of slow, and it, it was just, it, it was a wild trip. And so I'm circling, I'm pulling my car behind me, and I'm not used to driving something that's pulling something behind me, and I pull into this, like, uh, travel lodge hotel where, where all the truckers stay, And so I'm trying to find this place where I can get out in the morning so I don't have to back up, right, with this truck at 12.30 at night. And the next morning I get up, go down, you know, thank God that I found a place to lay my head, got up the next morning. I head out to Oklahoma. Before I could get out of Arkansas, the truck started running hot. And I didn't know what to do. Uh, besides pull over at the tourist information station in Oklahoma when I got over the state line. I pulled in and I took off the radiator cap. It was a Sunday. You have to remember it was a Sunday. And so I filled up the radiator because I, you know, you go and you get water and you fill it up. And if it goes down, then that means that uh, you needed water, right? So I keep filling and keep filling and I keep filling. And it's pouring out of the bottom. That's not a good sign. So I filled it up as much as I could, and I knew I had to drive hours more into Tulsa to get to my destination. All I could do was pray. That's a wing and a prayer. That was it, guys. And I get back in the, in the, in the truck. I get back in the truck, and I'm, I'm going down the highway and just saying, Lord, here I am. I'm following you. I'm doing the best that I can do. 20, 22 years old going to Bible school. Uh, Didn't have much sense, but I had a lot of faith. I keep moving. 
And it got me to Tulsa. It got me to Tulsa, guys. I drove, unloaded the truck, went to turn it in, and the guy says, it's a miracle. I don't know how you got here. And I don't know why this engine hasn't burnt up. There is not a drop of water in the engine block. So the whole time in my mind, I'm dealing with, what are you doing? This is crazy. You've been defeated. You should turn back. Why don't you just turn back? You had a job. You don't have a job. You don't know where you're going to stay. You don't know anything. Do we deal with failure? Do we look at the circumstances? Yes. All of us go through times where things don't go right. And I don't know what you're dealing with today. I don't know those even that are watching. You know, it's a, it's a difficult part of the season. Emotional and, you know, uh, things happen. You might be thinking, man, you know, I'm just in a real difficult time right now. But, but look at Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28 says something very important to us. We have to break it down in light of what we know about God and His character. It says, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. I love what this scripture says not what it doesn't say. People make this scripture say a lot of things that it doesn't say. People, people preach this, this verse and they make it say that God causes all these things because he loves you and he's making all these things work together for your good. But God doesn't cause calamity to make you think that he's good or that he's working all those things together for your good, right? No, but God is at work in you for the good as you go through everything. Because we go through some things and we deal with some challenges and we realize that people fail. People fail. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says this, that there is no one on earth who does what is right all the time and never makes a mistake. That's good to know, that there's no one on this earth that does everything right and never makes a mistake. Now, we like perfection, and we, we read scriptures where it says, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect, and we want to do our very best, and we want to be excellent, and we, we like perfection. But we have to realize that we're not perfect and that we deal with challenges and we make mistakes and we have failures. And every major person in the Bible that God used had a major failure before they had a major success. Let's think about some. Moses. Moses committed murder. <laughs> he murdered someone and then he ran away. And he stayed away for many years before God appeared to him and spoke to him and used him to lead the nation of Israel out of slavery. Think about that. God uses people who have failed to complete his plan. That's encouraging for us today. God wants us to overcome failure. 
Moses overcame failure. How about Joshua? Joshua followed Moses. Joshua and Caleb followed Moses. They stuck really close to Moses. But uh, Joshua and, and, and Caleb were in bondage for 40 years. They were in slavery for 40 years. And then when God moved them out of slavery, um, they were stuck with a million people that were uh, stiff-necked, hard-hearted, and rebellious. Joshua and Caleb had to put up, the, put up with this for 80 years. 80 years. You know, if you're in bondage, if you're in jail, I don't, I don't believe anybody in here has been in jail, has been in slavery for 40 years. But it affects your mind. Can you imagine? So we were going to Arkansas this past uh, week. We're driving to Arkansas. We get in the car. We're going through. We get up to Memphis. We go through Birmingham up to Memphis into northwest Arkansas. We get into Memphis and just outside of Memphis, just south of Memphis, we noticed that there was snow coming down. It was beautiful. We were taking pictures out of the window. Oh, it's snowing. Thanksgiving. You know, it really made us feel good until we got the other side of Memphis. And we're headed on I-40 between Memphis and Little Rock. And right in the middle, about mile marker 200, we came to a stop. From 7.41, I looked on the dash, 7.41 p.m. until 6.30 the next morning, we were stuck in the car. St stuck in the car. Tractor trailer in front of us, tractor trailer in back of us, tractor and trailer on this side, and we could go nowhere. I don't know if you've ever been stuck in a car for 11 hours, but it was an ordeal. It was an ordeal that I didn't like, Pastor Sheila didn't like, but the dogs, our dogs, we had we have two standard poodles, they slept for 10, 11 hours. I think the Lord had some anesthesia on them or something. It was an ordeal. I mean, I was tweeting the State Highway Patrol in Arkansas, I was tweeting and texting with the, um, with the, the Highway Patrol and the Department of Transportation. What is going on? There was eight miles of cars stopped on highway uh, on I-40. But it was only westbound. That will really mess with your mind when you see the eastbound traffic going 80 miles an hour the other way for 11 hours, guys. You're thinking in your mind, what is hindering us from moving forward? So I can tell you, living in bondage for 40 years and then eight, another 40 years, Joshua and Caleb, it messed with their mind. They had to overcome failure. They had to overcome failure. David, how about David? Israel's greatest king. He was a man after God's own heart, but he committed adultery with a man's wife while the man was fighting with his, for, for his country. And then David puts this man in the front line to get him killed so that he can take the man's wife. And that God still uses him in spite of his failure. How about Job? Job, the, the book that most people don't want to read because it's so depressing. Where chapter after chapter, 30 chapters, of Job's friends turning on him, even his wife turning on him. This book demonstrates how to handle failure. You know, Job loses his whole family. A tornado wipes him out, takes his crops, takes his children, takes his wife, and then takes all of his house and everything. He loses it all overnight. 
Then he gets all kinds of boils on his body and disease. And he goes to his friends to try to get some, some comfort and some encouragement and try to understand why it all happened. And his friend says, Job, you sinned. That's encouraging, right? But in the end, God restored and God used Job in spite of all the failure in his life. How about Paul, the Apostle Paul? He was the one that gave the orders to murder Stephen, among other Christians, many other Christians. <clears throat> in spite of his failure, God chose him, and he followed God, and success came in his life. He wrote over two-thirds of the New Testament, but there was failure in his life. And so I like it when the Bible talks about how these heroes of faith failed, Right? It's encouraging to me to know that God doesn't determine success based on past failure. So you can't sit there and tell me that God can't use you because you've had some failures in your life. He can. He can. God can use you even though you've had some failures in, the, in your life. You know, how you navigate failure will determine your future. Let's talk about some modern-day failures. Anybody watch the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade? Macy, Mr. Macy, the owner, or the, 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 he founded Macy's back in the 1800s. He had seven bankruptcies before he started Macy's. Only seven. How about Abraham Lincoln? Abraham Lincoln was forced out of his home at seven years of age. He dropped out of school with only one, one year of formal school. His mother died when he was nine. He got engaged in a, he got engaged and his fiance died. He started a business that failed in his early twenties, and then he ran for Congress and he lost. He then got married, had four children, and three of them died before he before they before they hit uh, as, as 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 young people. <laughs> it says eighty, but I don't think before they hit eighty. I think that was a typo somewhere. But he lost three children, guys. Abraham Lincoln lost three children. He had, a nervous, he had a nervous breakdown. He ran for Congress and lost, and ran for Congress again three years later and lost again. Then he ran for the Senate and lost. Then he ran for vice president and lost. And then he ran for president at the age of 51, and then he won at the age of 51. How many failures did he have before he had success? Anybody like uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken? <laughs> Colonel Sanders. He worked odd jobs for years and never really able, uh, he was never really able to make anything stick. He owned a ferry boat company on the Ohio River. He sold tires in Winchester, uh, Kentucky. And later in 1930, he opened a restaurant inside of a Shell Oil Company-owned gas station and. North Corbin, Kentucky, where he began serving chicken dishes, and he was 40 years old at the time. In July 1939, he came to own a motel and a restaurant, which was destroyed by fire just four months later. But it wasn't until 1940 when he began to finalize his so-called secret chicken recipe at the age of 50 years old. However, in 1942, during the war, he sold his business and subsequently got divorced in 1947. 
1955, another one of his restaurants failed after an interstate route that led traffic past that restaurant was changed. Later that year, with just a $105 Social Security check to his name, at the age of 65 years old, he set out to sell his franchise chicken model to restaurants across the country. He was famously rejected by 1,009 restaurants before one restaurant agreed to his idea. A thousand and nine turned him down and one restaurant took his idea. Let's talk about Michael Jordan. Born in 1963, he's 55 years old. Michael Jordan is a former professional basketball player, also the owner of the Charlotte Hornets team, called the greatest basketball player of all time. Jordan's professional career is something for the history books with a gameplay that will likely be unmatched and unrivaled for decades to come. Jordan is credited with once saying this, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. At the age of 15 years old, while a sophomore in high school, Jordan was passed up for the varsity basketball team instead of being assigned to the junior varsity team. He cried after he saw that list without his name on it. But instead of giving up, his mom convinced him to push forward. Every time he thought about stopping his training, he would picture that list without his name on it. He was able to take failure in stride. He allowed it to push him rather than to entirely defeat him. At the age of 21 years old, he entered the NBA as a professional basketball player for the Chicago Bulls, where he would go on to win six championship titles and become one of the most impactful players to ever grace the courts. So failure should not define you. Failure should not define you. Here's how to overcome failure in four, four steps here. Number one, failure, recognize and realize and understand that failure is temporary. Failure is temporary. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. This is the New Living Translation. It says, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits, spirits will be renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things that we cannot see will last forever. So what are you going to do? Are you going to focus on the problem or the promise? The choice is yours. The problem or the promise? You know, the devil's operation is designed to try to make you quit. Every strategy, every scheme that he has against you is ultimately to try to stop you and get you to quit and just sit down and give up. So when it seems that failure is a setback, God can use it as a setup for an overcoming victory. The second way that we overcome failure is Stop comparing yourself to others. Stop comparing yourself to others. 
there's something going on that, that's really detrimental to our society, and it's the social media. You have to realize what social media is and what it does, guys. And I'm talking to everybody in the room, older ones, younger ones. Social media helps people to let you see what they want you to see. It helps everybody look so good. If you don't like the the pimple or the dimple or the birthmark or the or your teeth, you can take a picture, you can clean it all up before you post it out. You can make it look fuzzy so that they don't see your wrinkles. People want to be perfect. And people are going to show you their best pictures. Right? But you don't see their heartbreak and you don't see their failure. You don't see their, their pain and their hurt. And we wonder in our day why successful people, millionaires, billionaires, are committing suicide. It's because they may look good on the outside. They may have the best marketing company that they can have to promote themselves and their brand but be empty on the inside hurting desperate broken this is why we can't afford to compare ourselves to other people 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12 in the New International Version says we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. So do you want to be wise or do you want to be stupid? I think I'd rather be wise and not compare myself with anyone. Right? It's, it's a disease of comparisonism. It's a disease that has tremendous negative effects on every one of us as well as our society. We've got to quit looking at others and begin to see how unique God has made us individually. In fact, you must quit looking at others before you can actually see the uniqueness that God made you. He put something in you that he didn't put in anybody else. That's why he wants to bring it out. That's why we must stop comparing ourselves with other people. Here's another, here's another verse. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. We've got a lot of vain people who are very conceited in the day that we're living in. But rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of of others. And so we have to take our eyes off of ourselves so that we can see how God views us. We have to look at the way that God looks at us to see the uniqueness in us so we will not be unwise and compare ourselves with other people. The third step to overcoming this failure is we have to inspect and adjust. 
we have to examine and change. This happens in, in airplanes every day. It happens in boats every day. You set out for a destination. And there's a factor called the wind that you can't see. And you have to continually make adjustments to get to the place you want to go. There is change. The, the only thing that <laughs> never uh, is, is a negotiable in life is change. The only thing you can count on in life is change. Navigation. It's a series of examining and changing. Examining and changing. We have to be willing to examine ourselves and ask the tough question why we failed and accept the responsibility of changing. Thomas Edison said this, I've not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that it won't work. <laughs> right? And so the light bulb that we enjoy came from failure after failure after failure after failure. The word fail, F-A-I-L, first attempt in learning. I like that. First attempt in learning. You know, we have to take responsibility for our actions. And that's really a tough thing in these days that we're living in. You know, we have people that make their living at being a victim. They become the victim. And they push the responsibility of their actions off on other people. And in order to overcome failure, we have to accept responsibility and quit blaming other people. We have to take the same energy that we would invest in blaming others and use that energy to accept our responsibility for our own actions and learn how to overcome failure, learn how to push through and grow through the challenges that you're facing, right? The truth about failing is you can either fail backwards or you can fail forward. And so I'm going to give you a list that's there in your notes, and we're just going to look at failing backwards versus failing forwards. If we want to fail backwards and go backwards as we fail, then we will blame others. But if we want to fail forward... We can fail, but we need to accept responsibility, right? To fail and go backwards means to repeat the same mistakes. Failing forward, we learn from our mistakes. Failing backwards, we live in, in the fear of failure. Failing forward, we look at failure as a part of life. Failing backwards, we, we worry about how people view us. But when we fail forward, again, we have to focus on how God views us. He sees the failure, but he sees the future. He sees potential. He's not finished with you yet. To fail backward, we allow failures to define us. Failing forward, we allow failures to grow us. Failing backward, we develop a give-up attitude. And to fail forward, we develop an overcoming attitude. That's the difference in failing forward 
and failing backwards. Romans 8.31 says, What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So really, guys, it really doesn't matter what people think about you. What matters the most is what God thinks about you. He thinks you're victorious. He thinks you're an overcomer. He thinks he knew you. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, I know the thoughts that I have toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of good to prosper you, to carry you forward. The, the word prosperity is not a, a particular dollar amount. It doesn't mean that you're a millionaire. Prosperity, the whole word, the definition of the word means to go forward, to, to exceed, to, to excel, to advance. And so God has called you from where you are to continue to go forward in life, not to go backward, even though there's times where it feels, and the reality is we may have taken a step backwards, of our own doing. But God, but God, but God is continuing to lead you. And so what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? We are victorious. We are an overcomer. Romans 8, 35 through 37 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, or failure, or failure, or failure... I added the failure in there. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long and we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all of these things, even in failure, in all of these things, even in failure, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. We're more than conquerors. We've got to shake off the failure. Think about the word conqueror. A conqueror is one who fights a battle and wins. We fight a battle. God has given us his armor. We have to put on the armor every day. We have challenges. There are some that minister and that are acting and saying like we have no challenges. There is... There is Everything is wonderful. All you have to do is give your life to Jesus and everything is coming up roses and everything's a bed of ease and everything comes to everybody without any challenges. But that's not the truth, guys. God knew that we would have an enemy and so he provided his armor. He said, take my armor in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Put on the full armor of God because we need it. We need it. We've got to push forward. Soldiers that put on armor push forward. There's no retreat in the kingdom of God. We push forward. Why? Because we're winning. Because we're fighting a battle that we win. We conquer. Step number four in overcoming failure is never give up. Never give up. Never give up. Don't stop. Don't stop on the vision the dream, the life that God has put before you. He's placed it in your heart, that dream. Proverbs 24, 16 says, For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. 
I might have fallen down, but I'm getting back up. My God, who strengthens me, upholds me with his mighty hand, causes me to succeed and causes me to win. I'll make it to Tulsa without a drop of water in the radiator. I'm going to make it out of this line of traffic. I know if I just, and thank God, my wife said, we need to get some gas. And it was like 10 minutes before we got stopped in the traffic. Thank you, Lord, for good wives. (laughs) The best wives, yes. Wisdom. Never give up. Listen, success is largely a matter of holding on after others have let go. Keep on keeping on. There was a man named Vince Lombardi. He died at 54 years old. I remember when he coached the Green Bay Packers back in the 60s. When Bart Starr was the quarterback. Anybody remember Bart Starr? Yeah, that was my, f- my favorite quarterback back then. And didn't know where Green Bay was, but I liked, I liked to win as a little kid. I mean, I, you know, everybody dresses up as the winner, right? Vince Lombardi, awesome coach. So he had a couple of quotes. He was considered by many to be the greatest coach in fo- football history. He never had a losing season. He said this, winners never quit and quitters never win. He also said, it's not whether you get knocked down, it's whether you get up. And so he was not only a football coach, but he was an inspirational motivator leader. And he taught his guys how to win inside and out. Maybe you've had a difficult year this year. Maybe you've, you've experienced a failure or two. But listen, God is in the turnaround business. He's in the breakthrough business. He's in the overcoming business. I want you to take hold of this. I'm going to pray for you in just a minute, but I want you to take hold of this. Don't give up on God. Because God hasn't given up on you. Don't give up on God. He knows your next step. He knows next year. He's out ahead of you. He who is not bound by time is calling you to go forward and to overcome what you've been dealing with, what you've been challenged with, the things that have seemingly stopped you where you are. Maybe the things that have stolen your dream or sidetracked you a little bit. God is calling you to come forth, come forth. Like Jesus called Lazarus to come forth. He didn't say, Lazarus, uh, uh, if you could, just stand up and let us know that you're halfway alive. No, come forth. (laughs) He who is the resurrection and life speaks life to call dead things to come forth. He wants you to overcome. He wants you, he's designed you to overcome. He's created you to win. He's called you to succeed. And so he placed that desire in your heart to overcome the failures, 
to look past that. Miles Monroe said this, there is something for you to start that is ordained for you to finish. God has dropped something in your heart. Some of you know this. Others of you have known this and forgotten it. And then there's still others that have yet to discover that. So this morning, I want you to just bow your head and close your eyes there. Just think about how the Holy Spirit is speaking to you through this message. Ask Him the question. Holy Spirit, what what are you saying to me in this message? Help me see. There's a great deal of encouragement in this room right now. Lord, as, as, as the Spirit of God hovered on the, over the face of the earth and brought forth life in creation, thank you for hovering over each person in this place, each person that is listening or watching this. Hover over us, speaking life to us. Bring, bring forth life. Father, I pray right now that you would resurrect the dreams, the the, the visions that you've given to us remind us that failure is not final remind us that you've brought forth great things out of seemingly failures thank you Father for using by your grace using people like David like Moses like Paul like Peter who denied you. Thank you, Father, that you have faith in us. Show us, open our eyes, and show us how much faith that you have in us and how much faith you've given us. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast. If you'd like to join us in reaching others by partnering with us today, you can give online by visiting us on our website at lifeway.church forward slash give. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this.